Hello, everybody. Welcome to Benchwarmers Anonymous. This is Eli. And I'm Corbin. Uh, first, we'd like to say thank you for joining us again for episode number three. We hope everybody's having a great week, so we're going to go ahead and dig in. All right, this week we're going to be talking about the news we got yesterday about Tim Tebow retiring from baseball. Uh, not as much talk about him in baseball, but just him overall, his legacy in sports. Um, also, there's some NBA games starting to get postponed from COVID. We'll talk about that in relation to the All-Star game. And also, J.J. Watt, he was released by the Texans earlier this week. So, talk about his free agency, as well as Fernando Tatis Jr., just signed a huge deal with the Padres and um, talk about a little bit of baseball with that. Uh, but first, got this news a couple hours ago, as we're recording on Thursday afternoon, that Carson Wentz was traded from the Eagles to the Colts for a couple mid-round picks, or well, I guess early picks. So as a Colts fan, Corbin, what's your, what's your reaction to this trade, seeing this news earlier today? Well, today, um, I'll be honest, was kind of a fluster of emotions because at first I was like, man, there's a lot better free agents out there that we could have went after. Not discrediting Carson Wentz, but um, you've got some big-name guys. I think I already have discounted Deshaun Watson off our list because that's in our division. But you've, you've still got some other things going on um, and various other positions that I thought we might have went after first. But – uh, as the day progressed, came to the realization Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia when they made that um, long Super Bowl run. Uh, so he's coming into a situation, into a system he already knows. Um, excuse me. He is not a scrambler by any means. So things coming in in a good situation there because, you know, Phillip Rivers always had 1,000-yard rushing seasons. So um, – <laughs> For sure, being a being a pocket passer, I feel like behind our our old line, he's gonna be pretty set. He's gonna be able to uh, kind of play his game. I know those last few seasons in Philly, he's had to be more mobile, and that's just not really his style. Um, we also have some decent offensive threats, uh, and I think what I like the most about this is we only gave up a second and third round pick. Um, we, we could have gave up a lot more, but we get to keep our young guys. We get to keep our core in different places. So that is a, that's always a positive for me. Um, I think at the end of the day, we win this trade definitely, obviously, because we get a player. They're going to get two college kids that are not proven yet. Um, but I think it's a good situation moving forward. I think it – uh, can work very well if all the pieces fall into place that need to fall into place. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a pretty good trade for the Colts. Um, you could just you could kind of see the writing on the on the wall with Wentz once they put Hertz in for just a little bits of time this past year. And even though he had that huge contract, you knew they were going to do everything in their power to get rid of him. The Eagles, that is. So um, I'm happy for Wentz that he got moved. He's He's always one of those players that it seemed like the coaches were always talking bad about him and then the fans were always hating on him. But you never really heard him complain. So I respect that just as a fan, just seeing players like that. So I hope he does good that year. Like you said, that year he had uh, Reich as his offensive coordinator. He was like one of the top MVP candidates until he got hurt. So 
I think there's definitely going to be a lot more room for success for him in Indianapolis, just judging from their line and their skill players. Because, I mean, looking at Philly's team, like they had some bad receivers. Their line was awful, always hurt. So I think uh, Indianapolis is a great position for him to be in, to get reunited with his old coach, and then hopefully kind of recreate some of that magic they had I think it was 2017 when he led them to the number one seed and in the playoffs till he got hurt so and I I just pulled up his numbers as well Eli um the three seasons previous to this last season the 2020 season um he really had good numbers um it says 2020 was really where he he went downhill he had a 57.4 percent completion percentage uh, he was first in interceptions with 15 and first in sacks with 50. So um, I think the sacks are a testament a lot to what situation he was in. You're giving up 50 sacks a season. That's that's a knock on your O-line, I think, more than your quarterback. Um, granted, we, we did see some spurts where a lot of incompletions this past year when he was still starting. Um but like I said, he he had become a lot more mobile, especially this past season. Um, so that yeah. that could have played into. So I, I'm interested to see uh, what happens, um, how this season takes course. Like you and I said, uh, I think the Jaguars are trying to build a situation to make a run for the AFC South. Obviously, we're going to have to compete with the Titans to make it to playoffs. So uh, – our division's just getting our more more competitive, so uh, we we've got to make those moves and hope for the best, and hopefully it works out in our favor. And um, I think it has great potential too. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that was a really good trade for the Colts. Um, if they would have given up like a first round pick or first in a couple seconds, I think that would have been too much. But with it just being a third and then a second next year. I think that's that's a lot more reasonable for a player like Wentz. Right. So, anyway, so Wentz, he was a pretty dominant passer in college at North Dakota State. So, speaking of dominant college quarterbacks, I think that leads us right into our next section. We're going to talk about Tim Tebow, who uh, got the news yesterday that he's retiring from, the, from MLB. Not that he was ever in the major leagues, but – said he'd been in the Mets farm system since 2016 and he was going ahead and calling it quits there so don't really want to talk too much about his baseball career because I mean he never really made it to the big leagues although I do respect him for uh, staying with it for four and a half years or whatever but uh, just what are your thoughts about Tebow as a college player and a person oh as a college player definitely a dominant um um, player by all means wins two national championships at Florida. Um, he's the offensive MVP in um, at least one of those games. Did what a lot of college players don't even get the chance to do. He took snaps in the NFL. Uh, overall, a great football player, um, especially on the college level. Um, as a person, man, you have to look at all he does in the community all he does for people. Um, he has the, 
prom night for disabled children. I don't know if you've seen that before. I have. Um, he's just an all-around person, really great guy. He He's going to do what he can to better the people around him. And I, natural leader, I, I don't think there's really anything negative you can say about him. Oh, I agree. I I remember it was probably – I was probably eight to ten years old when he was in uh, college playing for Florida. And every game he they played, no matter if he was playing Alabama or it was like one of those first games of the year where they were playing some like borderline D2 school pretty much, he'd always – you could tell he was the leader. He His heart was in it 100%. He was given 110% effort. Uh, he was – he was such a good – he's one of the few players that I know that is a great – that was a great player, but also an even greater, like, role model for young kids uh, just with his faith and, all. like you said, all he does in the community. He's just a really good guy. Uh, I don't know if – you know, I don't know if you knew he had a book. Uh, he released it, I think, after college, but I read that back in the day. And it was a really good book. But he's just a really good guy. Um, I hate his – he had to give up his – dream of playing baseball but like you said he got to play in the NFL and obviously was very dominant and successful in college and I think he's one of the most recognized uh, athletes for our generation oh definitely and a guy that I think most people um, especially our right our age looked up to growing up uh, great role model great leader mm-hmm um, all-around person, like I said, I don't think there's really anything you can knock or take away from him. Um, and props to him. He did more than most athletes uh, walking around do ever. He dominated college football, spent some time in the NFL. He went on to play to some facet of professional baseball. Um, not that he's compared to those who have done that in the past, but – Still, he did it, maybe not on the highest level for all, but he he did things, was good at what he did. Um, I think that's just a testament to his legacy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just had an insane work ethic. And that year, I think it was they lost to Ole Miss. Florida did, like, during the season. And he gave that really emotional speech to uh, – it was an interview after the game and he said like speaking to all Gator Nation or whatever he said that that was the last time they were going to see him see that team play that bad ever again and then they didn't lose again they ended up winning the national championship that year so he he was just really inspiring to watch he made me watching him at like eight years old want to run through a brick wall (laughs) how excited I'd get just watching him play and also just reading about him um, off the field and how he, how outspoken he was about his faith, how much he helped people. Oh, that was just really inspiring to me. So, hate that he's done with sports, but I'm sure that he'll continue to stay in the media and the news right. for, and for I, good reasons. I agree. Um, so, let's go ahead and shift on over to the NBA. Um, five teams have recently opted out. Uh, they're having an all-star game. Eli, I know we talked about this a lot last week. Um if we thought the uh, all-star game was really a good idea at this point in the season with everything going on in the world, um, pick your brain a little bit. Where, where are you kind of at with the NBA season? Um, 
Well, so obviously everybody saw about the five games getting postponed last week, but something I didn't realize, I was looking at the other parts of the season earlier, that there's been 30 games total this year that have been postponed so far. And now some of them have been made up, but others haven't. So with that being said, I I know last week I said that the All-Star game should be go on, go ahead and do it. But with that many games getting postponed, it really does raise a question about is having an all-star game and bringing all these players in from different teams, is that really the smartest thing to do? Which, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, think you're you're really risking playoffs at that point, are you not? Yeah, because, I mean, if you bring in – well, everybody's obviously going to be from different teams and then say one person's sick and then they go back to their teams, then who knows how many people get infected. So – and it's yep. like a discussion you and I had earlier. Where do they push this? Where where do playoffs get pushed? Um, we can't just keep postponing games. I know coaching high school sports, if a game's getting postponed too much, it's finally just canceled. I, I know teams at the high school that I teach at that they're just losing season games right now because they, they can't play. There's a team in our conference. Uh, I'm not going to stay the school or the sport, but their their season's done. They're quarantined the last two weeks of season, and all those games have just been canceled. So can the NBA, one, afford to do that? And two, can they afford to have playoffs altered because they chose to go to a all-star break? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the all-star game's always really entertaining, especially – or, well, the – I think more so the dunk contest and the three-point contest, skills contest, whatever, is always more entertaining than the all-star game. But it is always cool as a fan to um, see those players on the same court. But I think a big part of what makes all-star game so special for NBA, which is, this is how it differs from NFL, but all like all the players that come and watch it and all the fans, the arena's always packed and everybody's like close and personal with the players. And obviously with COVID, that's, I mean, that's not going to, that's not even an option letting a packed house happen for the all-star game. So, you know, the slam dunk contest is, there's going to be no crowd reaction. Same with the three point and the all-star game. So I just think it's going to be a lot, a lot more uh, just kind of, I don't know, just different than normal for lack of a better word. And I, I think there's ways you can still make the skills stuff happen uh, without having to actually have the game. I mean, Zoom has been phenomenal. You can have a dunk contest or three-point contest over Zoom. We can set up a camera in separate gyms. That's that's no problem. I just – I don't think having – how many people are in the All-Star game? 11 a team. I think it's like 14 or something a team. I think I could be so, somewhere in that range. So let's say 14, that's 28 people that might not play together every night. And I just, now you're, you're cross contaminate. I just, I don't think this is a good idea to risk the season on. Yeah. I understand why the NBA wants to do it. Like the, um, the commissioner and the, the big, the big heads or whatever, why they're um, pushing for it just for that more entertainment and that one extra weekend of revenue. But, I mean, you, you just got to weigh the pluses and minuses. Is one weekend worth 
putting up to risk the rest of the season or not the not the rest of the season it won't cancel the rest of the season but it'll it could postpone games second half of the season then it could just kind of snowball you know right I completely agree I mean let's look at last season the Grizzlies go on a crazy win streak possibility they can go to playoffs and then boom quarantine happens and things change when they go to the bubble so I just that's gonna mess with a lot of people's seasons. Yeah. Do you think they'll do a bubble? I think they'll they gotta do a bubble for the playoffs. I, I think it would be really smart, especially with how well they organized and ran it last season. Yeah. Um I just I think I think that's the safest and most efficient way. Yeah. Um just because like I said, last year I just think it ran very well. Mm-hmm. Um I think so. Why not? Yeah, seeing this with the NBA, I think it really puts into perspective how like impressive it was that the NFL was able to get through its season uh, without having. I think there was like one game in the third or fourth week with the Bills and Titans that got postponed a couple days or something. But overall, like they made they made it through their season pretty smoothly. There was, I mean, there was obviously some positive tests, you know. COVID's real. It affects the NFL players too, but they were still able to keep on going through. And then you see the NBA with all the games that it's getting postponed. Now, granted, they do play a substantial amount more games in the NFL, but still I think that's pretty crazy that the NFL was able to go on as well as it did. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you this, and I might have said this last week as well, but if you're paying me a few million dollars, and say stay your butt at home. I I think I'm probably going to stay my butt at home and not catch this stuff. That's just the that's the reality of it. Um, You're paying me a million dollars. I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> Within reason. I don't know about that. Within no. reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good uh, opportunity to switch the topic. Um, so see, JJ Watt got released a couple days ago by the Texans. It was rumored that the Browns are one of his top teams that he's interested in joining, as well as many other suitors, other teams are interested in his availability. So uh, what are your thoughts on just his free agency and just him in general? I would tell you the four teams that I know are possibilities right now are the Packers, the Bills, the Browns, and the Steelers. Um I think there's a couple scenarios right now. I've seen that the Steelers and the Browns are really just the front runners of those four. But first, I have to say, J.J. Watt's a stand-up guy. Obviously, looking at it, he wants to go to a team that's successful and he has a shot to win with. But we're also talking about J.J. Watt. I feel like every team would vow to have the, have him there. Um, but I think he's a, he's a class act. He's not going to join – Kansas City or a Tampa Bay. So there's just a couple scenarios I think you've got to look at. Uh, his brothers are on the Steelers. Um, if he wants to play with his brothers, that's <laughs> no other team can offer that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Browns, I, I think, out of that division right now, and this is going to be a crazy saying because <laughs> – this has not been the case most of their history, but the Browns right now really just have the best shot of winning the Super Bowl out of that division. I'm not saying that they're going to get through a Tampa Bay 
uh, or Kansas City, but I, I think for that division, they have the best shot currently with the current rosters. Uh, so it's really just what does he want out of all of this? Where where does he want to see himself? Um, that's that's really just it's where's his mind at at the moment. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's an interesting situation just because. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a situation where a guy could have the opportunity to play with two of his brothers on the same team. Like, just I'm a I'm a sibling. I've got younger siblings, older siblings, and uh, I think it just that's just something that would be invaluable for me at least, just to play with your brothers on the same team. Now, I mean, they're also a great team too. Well, I won't say great; they're a good team, really good team last year, until the wheels fell off. But I just. you add that into the mix of him playing with his brothers, and that's where I think he'd go. That's where I'd go if I was in a situation. But like you said, the Browns are as crazy as it sounds. I, I agree with you. I think they're the um, they have the best chance out of that division, and probably one of the if you were to put on paper all the teams in the AFC, I'd say they're probably top four chance of going to the Super Bowl in that conference between the Chiefs, the Bills, and after the Chiefs and the Bills, it's kind of a let a let off for for my opinion at least uh, I think the Browns are will make some noise again next year especially with if they end up signing JJ Watt definitely agree but yeah like like you said he's a he's a class act and um I think any team that he goes on he won't even he won't I mean he'll obviously make an impact on the field but also he'll have just as big an impact in the locker room as well either helping younger players or um just imagine if he went to like Washington and was able to mentor uh, Chase Young. Just imagine how helpful that'd be for Chase Young or some of these other young defensive ends. That'd be scary. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where he goes. Um, So, I will – I'll throw this at you, though. So, he asked for – he asked to be released apparently early next – or last week, and then he was granted his release within a couple days. Meanwhile, on the same team, you got Deshaun Watson, who um, he has to be traded months ago, and they didn't even tell the press. And then when the press find, found out, they still are sticking to their guns of not wanting to trade him and keep saying that he's going to play for them this year. So how do you feel about, one, the superstar on offense not being able to get traded even though he wants out, and the superstar on defense getting let out the minute that he wants to get let out? Um, I, like I said in past weeks, I I think a large part of it is uh, the Texans know what their future holds now. You you give up DeAndre Hopkins a season ago um, for really nothing in return. Your defensive star opts out. Your starting quarterback now wants to leave. Um the Jaguars are about to get better or supposedly this isn't their first rodeo trying to <laughs> fix their problems, but supposedly they're, they're going to get better. You've got the Titans and the Colts that are competing for AFC South victories um, year in, year out. So I, I just, I think, I, I think this is intentional. I, I think they put a big price tag. So no one would bid, uh, I know teams are starting to get irritated. I've read that the Jets are to the point that um, they're getting impatient. 
I really think the Jets were the top spot. I think the Jets are where he wants to be. But I think Houston puts this large price tag. What does it like two first round picks and two defensive stars or something like that? Yeah, two young defensive uh, players. So no no one realistically is going to offer that. I just I think that that's their motive. They can say, well, Deshaun, no one wanted you, so we want you. Here you are. Um, but they'll they'll lose out in the long run because he has made it very uh, known that he wants out. So you trade him or he's going to leave in free agency. So Yeah. I saw uh, – I was actually just talking about this with my dad. Um, that who he's, he's also a Panthers fan. That the ES, ESPN predicted that he was going to end up as a Panther by the start of the 2021 season. So I'm hoping that's true. But like, like you said, they keep saying they're going to hold on to him. And I think they can, they can do that for a while, but at a certain point, you just gotta, you gotta cut your losses and realize that the longer he stays there, the, the worse a look that is for your team and your organization that you're pretty much just holding a player there who does not want to be there. And you've done nothing. It'd be one thing if they were, surrounding him with talent but they literally gave away his number one receiver and then just released their most known player defensive player a couple days ago so I mean they're they're not doing stuff to help their case for making him want to stay which I mean I think that ship sailed anyway so well and if you're Deshaun Watson I mean imagine what's going through his head the face of the Houston Texas I mean when you talk about the Houston Texans, I feel like I can speak for everybody. J.J. Watt's the first person that pops up in your head. For sure. So you just got rid of the face of your franchise. He's now watched Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford get flipped. Carson Wentz, um, too. And, yeah, Carson Wentz goes to my Colts. Uh, I, said, I think that you also see Russell Wilson now is – getting a little irritated in Seattle. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to let him go, but now you see that he's unhappy. Uh, he might leave. And really, we're in an opt-out NFL now. Just a few seasons ago, you saw Le'Veon Bell opt out. Um, Antonio Brown has threat had threatened it when he was with the Steelers. Um, even in other sports in the NBA – uh, Blake Griffin just decided to opt out for the Detroit uh, Pistons because he's unhappy. You see it in college. Uh, Duke, uh, one of their young stars, just opted out for the end, uh, preparing for the draft. So uh, I, I feel like that's what's coming. He It's either let him go or he's he's going to opt out until you let him go. Um, that's – that's really what what it's turning into, uh, especially in today's NFL. Yeah, there's no longer that uh, stick it out until times get better. It's always when times get tough, just jump off the wagon, you know. <laughs> yep. But anyway, go ahead and uh, go into our last topic. Just talk a little bit about baseball. Uh, so yesterday, Fernando Tatis Jr., the infielder, shortstop for the Padres, Signed a 14-year deal, $340 million deal. Um, this guy's 22 years old, so Corbin, that's your age. Um, 
That's a lot of money for somebody your age. <laughs> Anybody's well, age. You know, my my teaching career, we we might be close. Um, yeah, give it a couple of years. I'm sure they'll raise teacher pay up till somewhere near near that. Maybe not quite sure. that high, but yeah, for three hundred and forty million dollars, uh, I'll do a lot of things that they <laughs> ask me. Oh, for sure, it's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was looking at his stats earlier. And last year he hit – well, granted, it was – they did only have a 60-game season last year, but he hit – batted 277, and he was fourth in MVP voting as a 22-year-old. And then the year prior, he won the um, National League Rookie of the Year. So this is a guy with a lot of promise, a lot of talent, but still at that young age to where he's 22. They've got him locked up until he's 36 now. And uh, the Padres, they were – 37 and 23 last season um they beat your cardinals in the wild card and then obviously they lost to the dodgers before they won but um that's a team that they they got a lot of young pieces they got manny machado as well so i think them locking up tatis was pretty smart just with his promise and potential along along with his ability now to perform oh and he's only going to get better um a lot of promise with him. He was a lottery kind of guy when they uh, picked him up, you know. Uh, they're they're taking a lottery with him, obviously, with this giant contract, but he's only going to get better. He's already proven that. Um, I just feel like that's, that's the path he's going to continue on. He's an outstanding shortstop. Uh, my... Might arguably, arguably be the best shortstop in the league. That might not even be an argument. That might be a thing. Uh, but um, he—he's pretty legit. He—he he can play ball, like you said. They beat my Cardinals, and he was a large part of that. So, yeah, he's—he's um, he's also. I saw an article about how he just has like an incredible work work ethic, and that was a, a big part of that contract he got. Just that the coaches and management just loves his desire to win his desire to get better um when you got somebody at 22 years old buying into wanting to come in every day to get better and kind of from what i read and what i understand plays like a veteran and like acts like a veteran that's just that's somebody you want to lock up for a long time and you know 30 we joked about that being a whole lot of money and it's it averages out to about 27 million a year so it's not like an incredibly I mean, obviously, it's incredibly high, but for sports, it's it's not too like out of the park. So um, I think that was a really good deal for him, obviously, but also for the team to lock up his talent for the next decade and a half, pretty much. Right, I completely agree. All right, and then uh, that's all we got time for today. So uh, I appreciate you all for listening to our third podcast. Yes, thank you all. Uh, helping us build this it's grown really a lot more than we had anticipated uh just in a matter of three weeks so uh we've got some big things in the works some giveaways coming up um we're really excited for those so keep giving us follows give us some shout outs um, yes sir those really help in the future especially when we get this giveaway on uh lock have some uh, tricks up our sleeve for planning at the moment. So uh, really cool things to come. 
just stick with us. Keep giving us that support. We really do appreciate we it. We do, yeah. All right. So I, I think that's all for us today. Thank you for listening to our third episode. I'm Corbin. And I'm Eli. And this has been Benchwarmers Anonymous.